0: you've read jr then no well again i I think i started it i got like 150 200 pages into it and then bounced off of it because it's even way more difficult to read than this because it's (laughs) most mostly dialogue so it's like you have no idea what's happening well i really like that this
1: time period i think and so i wonder so that one came out in 75 is it yeah but when it's set I think
0: it's set in like probably like the 60s type time i don't know exactly it's it's a story of like a of a kid who builds a like corporate empire um and i'm pretty sure it's like and he spent you know he spent 15 years writing it so i'm assuming that it was like of the 60s probably a little just like this is written when he was writing it or set when he was writing it I, um, that might be a good to... one to listen to because of all the dialogue
1: and it's the same narrator who oh, does that? that yeah and so yeah. i think he would end up doing some of the same voices <laughs> right so you'd have to like have a palate cleanser between i think sure. yeah. yeah i'm
0: definitely gonna read something shorter after this
1: so, yeah. or you're gonna about to say something
2: i just went, i just like i found the guy i was talking about this is a uh, culiano um he, who's I'm just reading the wiki page it's an expert in Gnosticism and Renaissance magic he was encouraged and befriended by Marcia Iliade though he gradually distanced himself from his mentor Giuliano published seminal work on the interrelation of the occult eros magic physics and history and he's an huh. excellent author like I, I love his stuff Kuleyana was murdered in 1991. It has been much speculated that his murder was in consequence of his critical view of Romanian national politics. So he's Romanian. Some factions of the Romanian political right openly celebrated his murder. Um, The Romanian securitate, which he once lambasted as a force of epical stupidity, has also been suspected of involvement and of using puppet fronts on the right as cover and there's some other theories too like like weirder theories that um it had to do with what he was putting out what he was revealing about renaissance magic um its connection to the eros and his book on on i think it's called eros and renaissance magic or something like that is uh is excellent like it's a really good uh book but it's i was just blown away by this character of Mr. Yak, who's totally this guy, like the 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 actual character, the actual Mr. Yak. I don't remember his real name in the in the story. He's he's a uh, I think he's a scholar of Egyptian religion or something like that. So there's almost like a total match. Uh,
0: That's fascinating.
2: But uh, yeah, it was almost like uh, he was able to foresee this guy's death. I think he was killed in a like a toilet in the University of Chicago.
0: That sounds like something that would happen in this book.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: So many people jump out of windows and and
2: like fall oh. out
0: of... <laughs> Amazing. Tons
2: Can't keep of track su- of all
0: the people
1: jumping.
2: Suicides and attempted suicides.
1: When they go down, Bildo goes joyriding with Otto, I think. They end up stealing Stanley's mother's leg. Her aunt's yeah. oh, leg.
2: That's Feasley. That's uh, Ed Feasley, I think. Yeah, you're right. It and, is Feasley. Yeah. Otto and Feasley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they yeah, steal his they, leg. <laughs> Did they give it, it back her. to
1: him?
0: Do they wind up giving it, giving it to Stanley? I don't remember.
2: They leave it at his house and find uh, Hannah there, right? Um, but did yeah, they leave it? Then there they sort of that?
0: lose their nerve and. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, since we brought up Stanley, though, I want I have to bring up that because you know I have this theory that like Stanley Kubrick exists in in some form in all media, and uh, so of course, and I started reading this book long before I got interested in Kubrick, and um, I get just you know went back to it somewhat recently and like oh there's a character named Stanley of course there's a, there's always a Stanley. Um, so I was like, where's Stanley? Um, what else is there? And specifically when he's on the boat, um, with Esme, she has a copy of a, of a book and it gets mentioned a few times called the story of Barbara Ubrick, which is spelled U. in the book. It's spelled U B R Y K. (laughs) Um, but like I just I looked it up the the notes and I realized that I'm reading the new the new edition and that in the older edition the first time it's shown it's spelled U B R I C K as in Kubrick without the K but apparently that was like a typo and so they fixed it for this one but in the original it was U-B-R-I-C-K. nevertheless you got Stanley and Kubrick um, right next to each other. So that was my crypto K uh, observation
2: of coincidence. It's, it's um, the, uh, yeah, it's even better because there's a missing K. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the missing
0: You're key. So fucking right. That's perfect. <laughs> exactly. Um, and he, Stanley, I, I I almost wonder where, because because Kubrick was there. That's where he was in New York. You know, in the fifties. Amongst the, the 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 literati, um, per, per, especially with when his first wife, I think it was his first wife, maybe his second wife, Toba uh, Metz, I believe it was, who was like a, an artist, and she kind of introduced him to that whole crowd. And I just halfway wonder if if they crossed paths, um, not that he would, he's literally based on him, but. Maybe, um it's just it's just something I to think about. Um, just because of the way Stanley in this book is sort of this holy holy fool type character. And, yeah, and, yeah, and he's he's always dressed very dumpily and and Kubrick was always described as being a guy who dressed kind of like dump dumpily, like didn't pay a whole lot of attention to his clothes, just play a lot of chess. and um, so anyway. That's my Kubrick connection. Well,
2: the, the other thing, like um, with Stanley, um, so I was reading into that, I think, in the, what is it, Stephen Moore's book on the recognitions or whatever. And I, apparently, like uh, the character Stanley, like you said, he's a holy fool, and sort of, um, he's sort of based on Prince Mishkin from Dostoevsky's The Idiot. Um, oh yeah, which was a massive book at the time. Like Ginsberg, Kerouac, uh, Burroughs, all those guys were reading *The Idiot* and Dostoevsky at that time. That was one of their major texts. Um, right. And and *The Idiot* is all the way like. So this is a weird thing. Like I told you guys about it. I was I started this, I started this book. I started both books on January first. Um, I started uh, *Recognitions* and, and *The Idiot*. By uh, Dostoevsky at the same time because I was, I was reading *The Idiot* with some other friends, which is a weird. It's kind of I don't know if it was a good idea to do that at the same time or because they all got kind of mixed together. But then I realized that uh, it's like a major intertext. The, yeah, the it even Idiot, gets
0: mentioned at the
2: end. It gets it gets fully mentioned in the end, and and not only mentioned. It's like uh, he quotes from it. He quotes these really significant parts from *The Idiot*. But also it's like uh, Fedel, the, the weird Mr. Fedel character, is carrying a copy of The Idiot and he bumps into The Critic um, in, the, in the green sweater. And so fedel has got a copy of The Idiot who he's got a, a false cover on it and pretending it's his own work as usual. And then he bumps into The Critic on the street and The Critic has got a copy of uh, The Recognitions basically under his arm. And so the two books come directly together in, in, in the <laughs> novel. You know, it's like, you know, I, I read that and I was like, wow, that's insane, you know. So it's like a... Um, and then and then you find out that uh, it, the idiot, the, the word idiot appears all the way through the book as well. Um, just the word idiot and the idea of, of w- who the idiot is, you know. And so... I think that's a major theme, like, uh, so the idiot in um, Dostoevsky is Christ, you know, so the yeah. idea of Prince Mishkin is Christ out of phase with society, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like, what would happen if Christ appears in um, in Russia at that time, you know, or what, and so it's the same thing with Stanley. What would happen if Stanley, this perfect kind of holy, foolish type person appears in 1950s New York, you know, uh-huh. oh. like he
0: says that um, if he would was working 300 years ago, his his work would be a requiem mass, and yeah, be yeah. backed backed by the church and all, and, which and is kind of how I feel about Kubrick's work.
2: But <laughs> it's the same. Yeah, I agree too. Like it's the same. The, this perfection of the work that uh, you get the sense that all of Kubrick's films are like part of one massive work that he's trying to perfect. Yeah. Um, which he
0: might have died before he went f- quite
2: finished. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and,
2: and so this idea that, uh, okay. So, so, so Stanley is Christ in a way that's Holy fool Christ. Yeah. Um, but, but at the same time, uh, who is it? I think it's, uh, Anselm or something calls, um, Stanley at one point, Simon Magus, or Magus. Yes. Yes. Um, and so this is the craziest thing of the book, is that uh, the recognitions, the original recognitions, like I said, it's a story of uh, St. Clement meeting Peter in the early Christians, but the bad guy in the story is Simon Magus, who's the first Faust character. Like, that, that was... Faust. The name Faust. It means the favored or something, and that was a name that uh, Simon Magus took on himself. You know, so, so, uh, and then Simon Magus, he's famous for this idea which I was talking about of, of the uh, the Holy Spirit being incarnated as as a female. It's called the Eternal Helen, and so Simon Magus um, hooks up with this uh, prostitute in this brothel in the city of Tyre. And she's called Helen, and so Helen, and Tyre, Helen of Tyre and Simon Magus are this couple. And Simon Magus believes that she's the incarnation of basically the thought of the true God, like not the God of the Old Testament or whatever, but the true God, the sort of Gnostic God beyond God, you know. So, and then his rival in this original uh, um, Christian book the first Christian novel, the Recognitions, is Saint Peter along with Saint Clement, um, and so yeah, I was just reading that uh, in this Stephen book, uh, this this book, uh, Gnostic Religion, um, this early book by Hans Jonas, or Jonas or whatever. he, yeah. he says that uh, this book, the Recognitions, like the the original Recognitions, is is a major source book for finding out about uh, the early uh, Simon Magus uh, Gnostics like it's one of the mm-hmm. when, when scholars want to find out about the Gnostics they, they not much has been written down so they find out about this this particular sect from, from this early novel um, so I just thought it was weird so Stanley gets described so Stanley's this holy um, fool this Christ character but also maybe uh Um, Simon Magus and then Esme gets described as the eternal Helen in in the book Um, and this is such a weird thing about Esme is uh, she ends up being the muse or whatever of all these different uh, artistic literary figures ends up meeting Ezra Pound who's in the nuthouse at at, uh, St. Elizabeth in Washington after after in in D.C. after the the war, and he meets her. Uh, she meets him there in 1952, and Pound is like 67 years old. Um, she's at that time like 35, uh, 34, and they end up being lovers. And and she is the main inspiration for like a group of like five cantos. Wow. <laughs> and in these cantos, she's described as being Helen of of Tyre. Um. <laughs> So uh, I, 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 the whole thing blows me away, you know. Like the, um, and there's a, there's another part. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Um, do you remember when uh, Gaddis appears in the story as a character? I don't remember that. He appears about three <laughs> times. If you go to the uh, the Delkey edition, I'm I'm thinking of the one in the some page
1: I know that Hemingway is in it but I don't remember Gaddis
2: (laughs) yeah Gaddis appears Gaddis appears as Willie um so if you go to page uh 372 um he he actually appears three times in the story um so this is uh Valentine talking to somebody who who is a friend of Willie who is William Gaddis um and he's and he's talking about the recognitions. So this is 372, 373. Yeah, I he remember said,
0: that now. Yeah. But
2: you can tell your friend Willie that salvation is hardly the practical study it was then. What? Why? Simply because in the Middle Ages they were convinced that they had souls to save. Yes, the what? The recognitions? No, it's Clement of Rome. Mostly talk, talk, talk. The young man, the young man's deepest concern is for the immortality of his soul. He goes to Egypt to find the magicians and learn their secrets. It's been referred to as the first Christian novel. What? Yes, it's really the beginning of the whole Faust legend. But one can hardly... eh? My, your friend is <laughs> writing... My, your friend is writing for a rather small audience, isn't he? <laughs> Maybe Gaddis. Incidentally, the next time you borrow Loyola... So I gathered, but that's hardly the place to read Loyola. Uh, do they have what in the Vatican? A mold for fig leaves? <laughs> Anyways, he's a... Uh, so, but this is a weird part: is that he's saying um, it's about this young man who wants the immortality of the soul. He goes to Egypt to find the magicians and learn their secrets, and that's not true, you know. Like in the in in the novel, Saint Clement or Clement goes to um, the Middle East, basically meets um, Peter, and learns the Christian. Mysteries, basically, and he shuns the whole sort of Gnostic path from Egypt, and Simon of Magus is the is the sort of bad guy in the recognitions. So here we have like Basil Valentine trying to tell William Gaddis that the opposite, you know. So it's like
0: so it's like a is this like a Jesuit fiction that he's sort of spinning?
2: (laughs) I don't know. It's yeah. It's like this. uh, It's this weird contrast between um, so Wyatt and Stanley and Otto. Are Christ, but at the same time are Simon Magus, and then Esme, and maybe even people like Esther and this other woman Edna or whatever are at the same time Helen of Tyre, and then afterwards um, Esme gets used as the model of the Blessed Virgin Mary. You know, they. they yeah. Um. So it's like Mary and Helen of Tyre, and then uh, and then Christ and. Simon Magis all sort of like linked together somehow, you know, it's like this, these two threads sort of woven together.
0: That's great.
2: Um, but, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I want to, uh, Doug is silent. I want Doug to talk some more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My family has returned home for the evening. It's 11, 11. 11:11. Oh, it's probably late in the Eastern time zone too. Yeah, but I stay up late. Anyway,
0: so it's actually kind of early for me.
2: <laughs> Plus you're not talking about recognitions usually either, you know, it's like <laughs> true, true. I feel like this is a huge privilege to be able to talk to to you guys of this stuff, you know, it's like Totally. Oh. Absolutely.
0: I wanted to say another um, it's kind of just another thing about another parallel that I thought of with Infinite Jest and Incandenza and the, and Guayan, which being that, so Gwyn is a, a Mithra a sun worshiper. He worships the light. And Incandenza, I mean, his name means yeah. the light. Um, and he's a, he's a, he's a, film director he's into cinema which is about you know the manipulation of light and he's a optics uh, master so he designs all the lenses and he's a a physicist of of optic engineering of shaping light so it's 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 like a, a modern day you know mithra mithraic sort of procedure uh cinema and the whole concept of photography
2: uh, and and yeah. and you could you could argue also that uh, he like Reverend Gwyn goes from orthodoxy into complete heresy in a way like his his yeah. his films go beyond film you know
0: yes yes they break all all the packs with the audience with his audience that he has the sort of the unspoken packs that a filmmaker has with the, the audience are all broken.
2: Um, and 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 uh, and he makes he ultimately he makes a film that's so compelling that it there's no separation between the viewer and the film. You know, they, yes. the viewer tries to bind himself with the film. You know. Yes. Yeah, that's excellent. That's good.
1: I had a thought about Stanley Kubrick the other day. So two thousand one is kind of when the phones really really kind of exploded. I mean after two thousand one is in my mind, it's like when does the smartphone really become a thing? And it wasn't at two thousand one, but kind of after. Like that's the Well the iPhone the came out in two
0: thousand seven. Uh, so is that that was okay. really the first smartphone. But like cellular phones definitely became a bigger deal after 2001 and 9-11
1: well right so like it's just there weren't there weren't everyone there to to film it with their little things sure definitely not but then the movie is all about his fight with this technology this ai yeah and i feel like that's where we're at right now where like like my own battle is with um with Twitter and Facebook and how much time I'm Algori- willing to give. The that algorithms that have ensnared our consciousnesses. And- but thankfully, i like, we knew a life before smartphones. Like, yeah. I grew up with magazines and books yeah. and like, it doesn't. Yeah. This book, reading this book the past week has
0: been very nice because I've really hunkered down and put away the social media and had just been reading and listening to I've also been sort of whenever they brought up a a piece of music that was playing in the in the book I would find it on YouTube and put it on while
2: I was Uh, was doing that too that's a great idea
0: yeah there's some good ones particularly the the handel the party where Rose the disabled girl is just putting a records on i was doing that basically with youtube
1: um and i was thinking about why like so there is a lot of classical music in this like at some of the parties and stuff and so it's like why are they listening to english baroque music at this this party well there
0: that's the wasn't that i mean kind of culturally what was in vogue amongst that set i don't know you know
2: yeah it's um I think one of you guys said it before about the the split between Kerouac and uh, Gaddis and Kerouac's all jazz and then Gaddis it seems it's all classical, you know it's like a, a kind of um, but it's 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 two different sects of bohemian hipsters at that time almost right. or something right
0: yeah, and I'm yeah. sure Kerouac, I mean, knew his classical music,
2: as yeah well. did you guys um i uh, I put this on our, our email thread about um, Sherry Martinelli. She appears in a movie, a short movie by Maya Darren. Mm-hmm. It's um, I forget the name of the movie. I, I but if you if you watch that little movie, you can you can see sh- sh- uh, Sherry Martinelli in it. But it has these party scenes in it in this kind of abstract, weird, flowing way. But it it uh, it gives you a real sense of maybe what the parties in the book were like, you know, like just people going, flitting from group to group and talking to everybody at once kind of thing. And, like, it's it's, it's really, it's worth seeing, you know, this that one film.
0: I'd like to see it, yeah.
2: Um, but she's, her, her character's, I mean, uh, not her character, Sherry Martinelli is just... It, amazing the connections she has like i mentioned with pound but also Anais nin like um
0: right
2: so she's in the uh the, the diaries of Anais I mean, Nin.
0: i'm reading here charlie parker marlon charlie Brand- parker yeah. brando uh, rod steiger ee e. cummings
2: yeah yeah Bukowski. yeah Bukowski. <laughs> I, I know like everybody you know like she is she's kind of the bridge herself you know between this whole like uh Um, eternal bohemia, or whatever you want to call it.
1: Well, so talk about... We should talk about the parties, because those are, like, important parts of the book, where, like, there's the first art party at the beginning, and I think it's Max's art party, and it's where all the... I want to say they're transvestites, but I don't know if they're just transvestites or homosexuals. Well, they're definitely cross-dressing.
0: It's a a drag...
1: It's a drag party. Oh, you're right. So. That's what it is. It's a drag party. Um, but the thing that I'm thinking about is, and thinking back, isn't it just the superficiality of the depth of the conversation? And all these parties are kind of juxtaposed, especially the Rectal Brown's, Browns party and Esther's party on Christmas Eve. And they're basically having really similar conversations. Sorry. What are you? At? What are you? What are you asking? I don't know. I'm just. I'm just thinking about how the parties really convey the lack of substance in the culture at the time. So, like, if if Wyatt is plumbing the depths for the the radical now, and these parties are, you know, more in line with the Mad Men fifties, where it's just s- the surface is everything. There's nothing. There's no substance.
0: Yeah. well it's sort of i mean and it's interesting that
1: those two parties because it's it's different sets of people
0: like it's and you're right it's absolutely parallel they're meant to take place at the same time and why it flits in and out between the two scenes in the two chapters and uh, so one side you got the hip—the well they're not hipsters really They're, they're just
1: people i guess um They're they're kind of the shapes in a Uccello, the shapes in Uccello, you know, so it's like they're, they're saying the right things about the right things, but they're not saying anything at the same time.
0: And the other side is the critics,
1: the, the Rectal
0: Brown's crowd of, of the
1: elite sort of taste makers who are
0: just grown up versions of the people who are in,
1: (laughs) in the, in Esther's party, um, it's hard because for me, the book exists as a, as a thing, like, um, like you need to be in it, like it's an experience, like, it, yeah. I, I think you guys were talking about alchemy, and, and I was thinking alchemy is a process, like that, the importance is not necessarily, like, you, you need to have a process to make it work, you know, so like, if, if. The book itself is a process where you need to kind of be in these parties and to ha- you know, like to be in the in that moment, and that's how it feels to me. Where like to try and get back there, it's almost like now I need to to have the dialogue going on around me again.
0: Sure, you're really. I mean, it's really hard a book to just to put down and then pick up again. Like, you, you gotta devote. To it, <laughs> and sort of to really get the continuity of of everything and recognize all of the recurring things and jokes and
2: yeah
1: winks and the way it's written doesn't lend itself to like yeah just opening a page and it, definitely it, not it feels it feels like it's very linear and you need to be in the flow of the thing to make sense of it
2: yeah. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I stepped up for a bit. So I don't know if you guys mentioned this about the parties, about the uh, like the uh, the sort of religious aspect of the parties as well, like like them being Saturnalia or uh, the festival of Mithras, and it's also described as like Walpurgisnacht, you know, um, mm-hmm. which is normally that's on on May first, right? Uh, yeah, but. Uh,
1: I think that, that's April an interesting
2: 30th. point too. That that appears in um, Infinite Jest. It does, well. yeah. Um, but uh, so this idea of like uh, the end of the year and everything basically falls apart, and then like Esther's party, it just it ends up being a it, it just it's it's terrible, you know, like. Uh, <laughs> somebody somebody tries to kill themselves some baby is lost some some girl comes in always asking for sleeping pills and ends up killing her mother your mother yeah um, some uh, Ellery Ellery has uh, an affair with some other woman at the party <laughs> um, uh,
0: Arnie doesn't he have a homosexual thing yeah he happened? comes out
2: as it comes out as a homosexual and then uh, the kitten gets, by, guess, kitten gets killed by Agnes. The kitten gets killed. Smothered. Benny uh, freaks out, and, and he's basically... Um, Fettel gives him the suggestion to kill himself, and he later does, you know? Uh, and then and Esther it, and winds
0: up with a guy who is telling her to watch him masturbate.
2: The critic, yeah, the critic. The critic, the
0: critic. <laughs> <laughs> who is oh, apparently... Of is he, he's black, I think.
2: Yeah, he's supposed to be a black guy. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it just everything falls apart, and then and then and then after that, like you guys are saying, it's like uh, that's when everybody shifts off to Europe, you know? Right. Um,
0: and the same thing happens at the other party too. It it falls apart. I mean, not the same way, but it falls apart in a horrible way and ends in murder and blood and,
2: <laughs> and accidental
0: guts. death, black magic, <laughs> and the the way the all the critics sort of just sort of oh, I don't think we'll have to. Settle out of here. There's something, something wrong here. There's a dead guy laying dead on the floor. They're just like, finishing their drinks, stepping out.
2: Nobody seems to care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, um, and then and then it's described. So then you have Walpurgisnacht, and that parallels Circe uh, in uh, Ulysses. Like those parties are right at sort of the center, and they're massive in in the recognitions, right? They just yes. go on forever. It's the same thing with Sartre in in Ulysses, and it's the Walpurgisnacht of that book. And there's a similar one in in Thomas Mann's uh, The Magic Mountain. You know, like the same similar kind of scene like that. And then right afterwards, um, yeah, Ansom comes out and self castrates him <laughs> in, a, right. in a stall. And then the description after that is is all this. Um, Stuff from Dante's Infernal, you know, it starts. It starts with the uh, the dark wood, and then there's all these kind of um, references to the Infernal, like going going further and further down into the Infernal, um, and then and then you get the counterfeiters and and the uh, the blasphemers and you know, uh, right. So it's, uh, so I I don't. There's so much going on in this novel. It's it's amazing. Uh, but like, if you were able to track down all the references, like all the references, I'm like I'm glad you do it with the music. Like you could do that with the art. You could do that with all the books that he mentions, and they all tie in. It's like Joyce in that way, you know. Um, it all sort of reinforces this these these big themes that he's talking about.
0: It's sort of this this uh, it... It along with Pin- this sort of um, this ties together Gaddis, Joyce, Pynchon, Wallace, Kubrick. That the I- this idea that a, a work of art that is really trying to get across or convince the viewer or reader that the author knows absolutely everything about everything, <laughs> like. And that everything is contained in it in this work
2: somehow Yeah, yeah so that goes back to uh, um, Gwynne again, the, the poet Gwynne, who tastes the uh, the four drops of this like uh, this this brew made from the cauldron of, of wisdom, or Finn who does the same with the salmon of wisdom, you know like so, so, so that's a common question of like who is the, who is the dreamer in Finnegan's wake and the dreamer in Finnegan's wake is Finn who, because he's tasted the salmon of wisdom, he knows everything. He knows everything from the past yeah. and present and future. And like, so it's, yeah, it's the same thing. Like, uh, so if, if, if it's Gwyn in this book, it's, it's exactly the same. It's like, what you're saying. It's, it's encyclopedic. It's, uh, contains everything and maybe prophetic. Like if it's, if it's, if it's like, um, Finnegan's wake, uh, it's, it contains not only the past and the present, it contains the future. Right. So this is yeah. this is one of the things why I was so freaked out about the Coolyano story. You know, it's like uh it, right. sure. it contains that in there as well.
1: Well so I I read a little bit about Gaddis. I think I I'm curious about his biography. I was looking at one, but um and I know what you're saying, Alex, I think one of his tricks was that he was a fact-checker. So he went to Harvard for a little while, but I don't think he graduated, just like Otto. I think he got kicked out. So he definitely very intelligent, but he was a fact-checker at the New Yorker for a year. And I think he learned some really, really good tricks when he was doing that job every day. <laughs> as far as how it, how to verify information. Sure. And so I don't know if he knew as much. I think that was something that I, I read, is that it seems like he knows everything, but he might just be good at making it seem like he knows everything. Would, but which I mean, is I mean, a forging. Clearly he knows. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs>
2: but no, go- I, see. I know what you mean. That goes on with the, the religious theme too, right? Because recognition or anamnesis. Oh. That's is, exactly is,
1: what it had to do with. So, like, his source material for all the religious stuff came out of, like, just a handful of books, where it seems like he read everything about everything, and it really is, like, if you had his source material, you'd see that it was like, oh, there's just seven books, and they got everything out of these seven books. Right. <laughs> same same thing with Infinite Jazz, too.
2: That's Go the ahead. thing, though. Like, like Joyce does that, too. Like, he has, a, a, like, a limited amount of source material, but but it's, like... Just the if, you really, if you really go on with them with this type of thinking, it's like if it is anamnesis, it doesn't matter how many. like you could have only one book as a as exactly. source material or no books, you know. It's just your source material is, is whatever you, you see and even think about. And but if you, if you have the right perception, the right recognition, you know you tap into it and then and then you do know everything you you have this sense of anam, anamnesis. um and so in Plato's sense, it's like you you have knowledge of the of of spirit, you know which is which is everything um,
0: that's the so. that's the Stanley Kubrick idea. it's the it's Kubrick i mean Ubik, Philip k. Dicks Ubik mm. of the you know the the God that is in everything and
2: it's ubiquitous yeah
0: yes, exactly.
2: And then, and then this is uh, this is a good part, uh, good place to bring in um, uh, what Guion said about science, which is great. Like this is sort of uh, where people get it all wrong, you know. This is on the, page four fourteen. Um, so he says, science, science has a fool theory about recognition. Half the fore part of the brain receives an impression, they say, an instant before the other half. When it reaches the second half, the brain recognizes it. A lot of bosh, of course. He paused to step to confide, but it gives these fool scientists something to do. Keeps them from meddling in important matters that don't concern them. <laughs> yeah. I think it's perfect. You know, like people are gonna look at, uh, read this book. Maybe some people and like, oh, recognition. It just means like, uh, yeah, recalling something or whatever. It's like a, um, it's just, yeah, your brain recalls a signal that it got from some sensory input, you know, it's just like a load of bosh. <laughs> you know that's not that's not what recognition is at all, you know uh, it's a way deeper sense than that, or it's included, I guess, you know, he would include it, but uh, there's something way more profound that's going on. Did you
1: read much, Stephen Moore?
2: yeah i I, loved, the... I, I read uh, quite a bit, like going through the website at least. Because clearly he is the,
1: you know, the eminent Gattis scholar. But I wonder if he is, is is he getting the, the numinosity that you're finding? That's the thing. I mean, he's definitely able to find the literal connections. But I'm wondering if, if the, the truth, if, if he's finding that religious, Truth. As I well. don't know. Like, you,
2: don't you get the sense, Doug, talking to these guys, like uh, the the gas scholars, and they all have a sense of it, but they're all sort of skittish to talk about it. You know,
0: they're academics. Academics. They're just, academics. They're
2: it's, academics. It's... They have to be cautious about it. Whereas we can just go off. You know, like it is. Yeah. <laughs> which is what I love because you can really tap into the core of what the authors are talking about. You know, whereas like, you always have to. With the the art of it, they're scientists. Yeah, 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 they're scientists. That's the uh, they're they're the critics. Like uh, we maybe we should read that that uh, that diatribe that Benny gives against the critic because I'm sure that's Gaddis himself yelling against the critics. You know, at at the point. Well, he he had
0: his whole this. Do you really read about fire the bastards? His uh, the Article by this so-called Jack Green.
2: Did you read about this, Nor? I I don't know. Maybe I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, it's it was. Um, it's called "Fire the Bastards" by Jack Green, and it's been speculated that it's it's actually. I mean, I think it is just William Gaddis writing a big, basically a big thing um, of of cataloging and. Blam-basting the reviews of the recognitions that were published and just going through them all and just being like how idiotic and you know you should, it's, on, it's on that Stephen Moore site um, but it was published uh, so he was I mean he had a very fraught relationship with the critics so that's, that's my point I guess but to the point that he wrote this whole <laughs> thing Maybe it wasn't really, maybe it wasn't him, but I always thought it was. It says
1: it's the pseudonym of Christopher Carlisle Reed, born 1928, Mm. was the great defender of the work of William Gaddis. Okay, well, maybe it wasn't him then. I thought it was,
0: I thought it, I think it might have been speculated to have been. At least, okay. this yeah. Is, this is it's worth uh, reading. It's good.
2: This is Benny yelling at the critic at the party, which is, I think, this is a, a key part. You know, he, he says, uh, "I know you. I know you. You are the only. You are the only serious person in the room, aren't you? The only one who understands. And you can prove it by the fact that you've never finished a single thing in your life." You're the only well-educated person because you never went to college and you resent education, you resent social ease, you resent good manners, you resent success, you resent any kind of success, you resent God, you resent Christ, you resent thousand dollar bills, you resent Christmas by God, you resent happiness, you resent happiness itself because none of it, none of that's real. What is real then? Nothing's real to you that isn't a part of your own past. Real life, a swamp of failures of social sexual financial personal spiritual failure real life you poor bastard you don't know what real life is you've never been near it all you have is a thousand intellectualized ideas about life but life have you ever measured yourself against anything but your own lousy past have you faced anything outside of yourself life you poor bastard benny started to laugh <laughs> that's, what, that's the,
0: is Which it? is kind of funny, considering that Benny is the guy who would put his name on Wyatt's uh, architectural drafts. Draft
2: yeah, record. that's that's part of his breakdown. He realizes yeah. that how terrible he is to He's deal with He's really like, talking like,
0: about himself in a way. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh. <laughs> uh, like, there's, yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's quite a few fallen characters like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Max and Anselm and Benny and Deesley—all well, the those art show.
1: I think pieces. Max's art show—it was like a workman's shirt, and he just yeah. hung it on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and how about
2: here's, here's a tie-in with um, with uh, Gass's book, you know, uh, with Rilke, right? Where Max goes into Esme's oh. room, finds what he thinks is Esme's poetry steals it ends up publishing it as his own and then he's outed later that uh it's actually rilke and then he spreads and then he spreads the lie that she tried to frame him you know he's like an asshole he's the he's the worst that guy Uh. well so i didn't realize
1: i for some reason i thought stephen moore was dead but he's not dead, and he's written a couple things like about the history of the novel. I'm really curious. He's he's like an encyclopedic novel,
0: um, academic sort of expert. He wrote a history of the novel. Um, he's got a website up where that has the it, he has the first edition or the uh, the first draft of Infinite Jest before it was edited that's right
1: he read it yeah so i'm curious i read it yeah curious to so one of the last gas scholars uh he's got an essay book that's coming out in april and they sent me a copy to read you know so i could talk to him and the but the guy who does the intro for this new this new uh book is um Stephen moore and i'm like i thought he was dead and then it's like oh i wonder you know it'd be interesting to talk to him maybe
2: yeah get him on the show like just send him send him this talk and then say this is what we're about because yeah. <laughs> oh. you remember yeah, guys that, the, the gas guys that you talk to um didn't a, didn't a couple of them say how 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 great the uh conversation we had about it you know it's like uh yeah. it's almost like a um so, yeah it's like i was saying before it's like they don't they uh they would love to have a, a conversation that's free about about this stuff
1: oh, but you think the nature of their employment or the nature of their their business it's not their business but how yeah, they, they comport themselves as as academics versus poets to say
2: yeah yeah Or
1: i don't know maybe i don't even know or just uh What do we call ourselves? Um, Lunatics. Dilettantes. (laughs) Generalists. (laughs) I like
0: lunatics. You should, uh, if you're trying to interview somebody, you should, there's this guy, he's a novelist. And he wrote the intro, Tom McCarthy, is his name? Oh, yeah,
1: I couldn't get that guy. No. I don't doubt it. Maybe send him this. Maybe he'd be interested.
0: But he wrote the introduction for this new for this new edition, and it's really good. Um,
1: Did you have you read his work before? I think yeah, a book
0: called... I've, re- I've read a few of his works um, and a lot of his essays. I just got a book of his essays. He's written a lot about Joyce, and uh, he's a very smart uh, writer, uh, worth worth pulling his stuff out. But. Um, I'll just read a little bit from his introduction. Just, let's see here. Um, he's talking about the word recognition. Um, he says, In his working notes, Gaddis explicitly links his title term with the word pattern, a coupling that as a prompt for how to think this novel through is spot on. In virtually every setting, and at every scale, individual, institutional, technological, commentarial, the fundamental tendency or drive is toward pattern recognition. Toward an app- toward an apperception of the many patterns, macro and micro, that surround and shape us. What is Bicknall's counterfeit detector, the tome used by Sinistera as a professional measuring stick or handbook, if not a pattern recognition manual? What is Bernie, the tourist's light meter, that he adjusts to correlate with the bleak, even color of the day, if not, like Wyatt's expert gizmos, a pattern recognition device? Or day itself, laid out shreds of its first reluctance to appear still blown across its face exposed passive and foolish at the lifting of chaos challenging its human occupants to blunder upon its familiar features its ribs and hollows like the blind man identifying with a memory sensitized hand the body of a familiar in what they had both called life That's all gaddis there, but I just love that. Yeah. Con- consciousness at, it, at the base cognitive level is, according to neuroscience's, quote, fool theory about recognition that Wyatt recaps to his father, mm. nothing more than the fore part of the brain receiving an impression an instant before the other half. Uh, when it reaches the second half, the brain recognizes it. One more paragraph here. Mr. Fettle, fixing the book A Critic Acquaintance is reviewing, but not reading, quote, with a look of myopic recognition, notes its pattern of bold elegance, the stark configurations of its cover's letterings, which intimate the origin of design. Bernie, the tourist, too, has a book's cover or title forced upon his consciousness. He's made to write it out, letter by letter, on a train, by a gun-toting Wyatt, whom Bernie's wife... But not he, busy fiddling with that light meter and trying Rorschach-like to decipher the contours of his necktie, will later recognize. It's transcendental speculations on apparent design and the fate of the individual. Schopenhauer's great tome on pattern and agency, in which Schopenhauer makes the claim, quote, "...that the systematic connectedness which we believe to have apprehended in the events of our lives is no more than an unconscious effect of our regulative and schematizing fantasy." "'Wyatt here could be Gaddis, holding us all to ransom, shoving his book and all the other books it has ingested, transubstantiated in our faces, confronting us with its impassioned central claim, that everyone is a reader, moving at confusing speed across a landscape it behooves us to get some kind of traction on, that pattern recognition is the task, the stake, and the goal of all existence.' On top of which, it also presents, through our propensity to over-recognize, a lure, a danger, one of the many will-o'-the-wisps along the pilgrim path. And that's all I'll read. I think mm. that's a really, really cool. Uh, it's
2: interesting, yeah. Stuff. Um,
0: pattern recognition, that's how I live my life, basically.
2: <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, that, uh, I agree, it, um, but it totally downplays it. Um, by calling it just pattern recognition, right? Sure, it's, sure. It's like uh what we're involved in. I'm talking about like the three of us and people maybe we know or whatever, it's it's like a it's way more than pattern recognition. No, it's I know, like I a,
0: know, I know, I know, totally. It's like
2: a like a schizophrenic worldview or something. <laughs> you know, <like> a, <laughs>
0: well I've got a I'm gonna give me a second because there's a Philip K. Dick thing that I'm gonna read to you that will uh, uh expound on that and be more accurate if i can find it just give me a a moment here yeah
1: well so it's funny because i started out with the list of books before i think we've already picked our book but i started out with a certain idea of where i wanted to go and now it's completely changed i i think i wrote down uh naked lunch the arabian nights or Robinson Crusoe.
2: <laughs> that's
1: interesting. <laughs> Arabian but Nights I, I, is
2: like forever, you know. Like that could be like a that's massive.
1: Uh. Well, so like I said, I'm I'm reading this this book about a guy's week long trip with Borg Borgate Borges, and so uh, and so all his stuff is coming back into me. Um, but the, I'm really interested in the, uh, this beat connection that we've kind of hit on. And so, Mm -hmm. and that's why, uh, the Burroughs is there because, because, um, you know, he was there in, in Morocco with Paul Bowles. And so it's.
2: And and, and, and his, before and before that, doing ayahuasca in South America.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so like his his whole thing is is really interesting. And then as as far as things go, like his cut up thing and what he was doing with that, you know, and just reading or you know reading some bios about him. His I I guess I read. Of the beats I read the most Kerouac and then I've read a little bit of Burroughs but I read uh, I think I read Junkie I never read Naked Lunch and maybe I read Queer also but it might just have been Junkie but I didn't realize how connected his style was and how similar a lot of his stuff is and how certain Mm -hmm. things started in one book and then ended up in another book
2: yeah, that he 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 is another person who claimed that he's just writing one big book, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm about to dive into Burroughs with another friend of mine. Um, we're doing a big thing on Burroughs, but. Uh, oh,
1: interesting. Uh,
0: Here's this which, Philip K. Dick quote, really quick. Let me just throw it in here. This is from the exegesis. Um, the key here is pattern and pattern recognition. Such a person is able to pattern, gestalt, and repattern rapidly, evidently experiencing a mercurial world. Out of the very many patterns, he might possibly one time hit on correctly perceived and interpreted authentic traces of objects and processes, mimicking Ultra-TI by a rapid flux of linking and relinking percepts and data bits. His gestalting could keep pace with the high-velocity, shape-changing UTI and this description of it sounds like a joker god, Dionysus, and the humble servant god, Hephaestus, the twisted, gnarled old grapevine root. He would literally see it and its secret life.
2: Yes, yeah. I yeah, that, it. That, that, he's got it there. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I just
0: think McCarthy that, put it in a way, like he, he's really good at all, putting what we're doing into a sort of acceptable, nice safe <laughs> uh language i think he has got the spirit he's got he knows he's got the spirit of it
2: anyway go ahead that whole what was the phrase the, the dick phrase mercurial what
0: i'm uh, experiencing a mercurial
2: world mercurial world yeah that's exactly that's the that's the alchemy right there right like so, so yeah. that's what the the alchemists intended to do break break everything down Process of dissolution, break it down to the prima material or the philosopher's stone, which ends up being this mercury, and then and then remolding it to anything after that. You know, like once you get to that root, then you can come up any other path that you want and manifest as 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 whatever. Um, so I think um, yeah, I think that's a perfect match with what's going on in, in recognitions. Mm-hmm. But here's, here's, here's a one by uh, um, Stanley this is another th- another quote about science which is interesting uh, if I can find it uh, so he's talking about this is on page 600 he's saying people laugh at arguments uh, yeah he's talking about I thought of El Greco before the Inquisition arguing the dimensions of angels wings He looks like an inquisitor, that dark fellow. People laugh at arguments like that now. And how many angels can dance on the end of a pin? But it's not funny. It's very wonderful. Science hasn't explained it. And you know why? Because science doesn't even understand the question any more than science understands. And you know, Agnes, this concerto I'm working on, if I'd lived 300 years ago, why? Then it would be a mass, a requiem mass. so this idea like science doesn't even know how to ask the question. Yeah. Doesn't even understand the questions. Wow. Like we've, lost, we've lost all of that. We've gained we've it's, gained so much from from experimental materialist science, like obviously and in, in technology and whatever, but we've lost so much, you know, like so much depth to the world.
0: Yes. That's definitely what this book is. Is saying,
2: yeah,
0: and it's sort of trying to revivify somehow. The, and it's just in the depiction of Wyatt and Gwen, he's really showing like not only have we lost it, but it's been twisted and like driven mad, like it's stumbled out, and science has sort of caused it to just be utterly. Um, <laughs> I don't know uh I can't think of the word, but just whatever whatever is going on in that chapter when he, he goes back to his to to visit his father and it's just so dissociated and disjointed and nobody there is no clear definition of boundaries or what's going on like that's what it's done to that
2: yeah yeah mentality. that's totally just. This the the T.S. Eliot stuff like just like it's just all fragments after that like it's, everything is fragmented yeah like that that whole passage or pages when he's coming back to his his father in his hometown it's like all this stuff that you can find it a, a lot of it at the beginning of the book it's all this stuff that he's heard his father say when he was a young boy and it's just all coming back in fragments this loosely connected fragments of it yeah of, of everything um, but yeah, that's it's completely what this book is about. It's like the the, the wasteland, you know, the, the science, the scientific materialism turning the world into a into a kind of wasteland. Um, and this is another connection with uh, Culliano, and that, that's how he describes it. Culliano describes as what happened at the end of the Renaissance with the uh, counter. Uh, with the Inquisition and then the Counter-Reformation and even the, the kind of mainstream Lutheran and Calvinist Reformation, there's, there's a reaction against um, Renaissance syncretism, which is basically what uh, Guyan, Reverend Guyan is into. You know, um, there's a reaction against that, in favor of materialist science. So it, it it's almost as if um, the Church, like the Jesuit and the top Kind of Orthodox Protestants or whatever made a choice that they would rather have um, they would rather get rid of God altogether or, or make it into a sort of a deist um, kind of equation where God is just the the divine watch watchmaker. He just lets the universe continue in a in a sort of materialist mechanistic way. They would rather have that than this sort of organic Renaissance. Um, pagan pantheism that was that was happening, you know, mm-hmm. and so then then there was the Thirty Years' War. You, you have the uh, the burning of the stake at, at the stake of Giordano Bruno in 1600, and then right after that, breakout of the Thirty Years' War, and then there's a massive um, uh, crackdown on on the occult and witches and everything. All of that happened after that. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like uh, Kuleano's point, it's, it's kind of this, it's a counter-magic, it's kind of a black magic, you know, that has, yeah. has, has sucked spirit from the world, you know. Yeah. Um, and so it's almost as if those in power made the choice consciously, very consciously. We know the old traditional worldview is falling apart, the old hierarchies of the church and the monarchies are falling apart. So, um, instead of allowing this kind of resurgence of paganism, and it would have been a kind of democratic paganism in, in Bruno's sense, you know, um, instead of allowing that, let's get rid of spirit from the world completely, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> this complete yeah. disenchantment, yeah. which, which gets labeled the Enlightenment. That's the, the worst word for it, you know? Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, the, the people like Wittgenstein talk about the uh, um, three provincial centuries after that. You know, like uh, we just uh, we we lost we lost the the holism of the Renaissance and then and then the ancient even the medieval world. You know.
0: Yes, all to prepare us for something. <laughs> I was just – I had a funny experience because I, there's a part in the recognitions where they're because mass media is coming in too. So there's all – you're hearing these snippets of radio advertisements and stuff. And one of them I think was for like some sort of product that's like, do you want to learn how to play piano but just don't have the time? And it, like, da, 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 try this thing. Or it'll help. It's easy. It, it's Play the piano in five minutes or something like that. I'm pretty sure that was in there somewhere. But anyway, I just got an advertisement on a video today of this something for a guitar, which is like teaches you it's some device that you put on to the, to the neck of the guitar that like holds your fingers in place. It's like it turns like your guitar into Guitar Hero.
2: Like, it's <laughs> like, like a player player guitar. Like yeah, it turns you that
0: into that. Exactly. It's like we haven't come very far, have we, from. From the time now, this is completely relevant still, absolutely, and that whole player piano thing is interesting too, because yeah, that figures into his other work uh, a lot. They mention he that they mention in there that some one of the characters has written a a book about the history of the player piano. Yeah, and I think like that's something he really did or wanted to do. Um, Gaddis. Uh, that comes up again in 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 JR and something else.
2: Yeah, um, I remember I remember somewhere I saw him him talking about the, how he hated the player piano.
0: Well, it's an interesting th- metaphor
2: for life. Like there's a one Speaking this is
1: Oh, I was going to say, speaking of metaphors, there was a speech that Otto gave, and I, it's strange, so I just have a note for it, and I remember this now, but I don't, I don't know why Otto would be the one. So there was a fake Titan painting, and they, you know, they were cleaning it up and removing things, and this fake Titan, when they removed everything, they found that underneath it really was a real Titan that somebody had painted over that. Do you remember that?
2: Yeah, it's um, uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce that. It's it's Titian, is it, or
1: Oh, Titian, you're right. That's Tishin what it or something. is. something. Yeah,
2: that's on page um, uh, four fifty one. So it's like a, so he it's auto telling the story to Esme. There's a forged painting, a forged Titian or whatever painting on top of a worthless painting. You know, so they they scrape off the forge the forgery, and then it's a worthless painting, but and then they scrape off that and it's on top of a real Titian. Yeah. <laughs> and then he this is the this is the amazing part. Then then he says something new that it was there even if the forger didn't. So underneath the surface the original the real if you could only see it. Like so this is the key idea But that idea speaks again.
1: to the whole thing, right? Yeah, yeah, that exactly. So that there's something You can you can get to that holy moment any from anywhere.
2: Yeah, and, and it's begging for you to find it almost, you know. It's yeah. like it's waiting for you there. Oh.
1: And that's kind of why it was undertaking in all of his his work.
2: Yeah, there's another part with uh, Stanley says that too. Inventing music um, is like remembering. And then he talks about Van Gogh. Um, so Van Gogh would take a, a Delacroix drawing and then improvise with the colors and then search it, searching for the memories and the memory of his own interpretation. So he would take another painting by another artist and then, and then improvise to the point where that artist could speak through the painting and he gets into the um, – so he writes it in his own style, but it's, the vision comes from the, the other – he taps into the vision from the other artist – yeah it's all this stuff is using.
0: that's sort of what he ends up uh, sort of what he ends up doing um in the end he's quote-unquote restoring paintings in the oh, monastery but at the
1: end yeah it, i mean i feel like he's not he's no like,
0: <laughs> he's completely brutalizing he's yeah. completely altering it's like he's he's sort of reached this state of um you could call it like enlightenment or whatever. It's the quote that you were reading from at the beginning to live deliberately or whatever. He's just, he's just, what he's doing is altering history in a way. Like, uh, well,
1: not, he knows or, better yeah. than the masters now. And so he's or, altering.
2: He's, he's, he's transcending like, history. almost. Transcending. Yes. Story. He's transcending
0: it and shaping it and having and playing with it.
2: Um, Going beyond the vanity of time,
1: right? Exactly. Well, the the writer is aghast. It's like, what are you doing to that painting? Yeah, yeah. Like,
2: <laughs> He completely freaks out that writer.
0: I wish I was wondering if that was writer character was based on somebody
2: or not. I didn't know if any of you knew or what. Uh, no, I don't. I, I'm sure he is. Uh, like, um, it, it'd be interesting if he met somebody like that when he was traveling in Spain. First, I thought it
0: was Hemingway, but he's not really. Um, I mean, it might be partly because there's the, again, the, the uh, speculation of his sexuality and the whole bit where he's like staring at this boy urinating. Um, and he's very described as being big. And he's in Spain. Um, so I thought it might be Hemingway But the way he describes The work of his it's He's way more Of like a Kind of popular Sort of John Grisham or something
2: Yeah Yeah Then there's the uh, The whole contrast with um, This book I guess And uh, Books like um, How to Win Friends and Influence People You know yeah, like those sort of how, how-to manuals that everybody reads um, and how they're just based on a real sort of prosaic view of the world like there's only one answer and here's the way, here's the phrase that will that will be great in every single situation <laughs> you can, yeah. you know there's no ambiguity, there's no grayness, it's just a, a if you know this book, you can succeed in life. Um, and people, that's still, that's still how people live now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Jordan Peterson, like 12 ways to avoid chaos in your life. You know? <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> I like Jordan Peterson though. But, uh, <laughs> um, why did Father Martin get killed?
2: That, that's, a, I, that's a weird point too. I'm not sure that, like he, it's tied in with, um, with uh, Mr. Yak. You know, he was he was the next hit after Mr. Yak. So,
0: right. I just don't know why he was. Why so he?
2: he I don't know. Father Martin was a Jesuit, also. Is it like what? What's his background? That I don't character. remember.
0: That's that's the problem. I don't.
2: <laughs> uh. Yeah, that that was a weird part of the the book that I meant to look up again and I didn't. Yeah, there's a question I had.
0: No, he's not on this uh, character's list,
2: fortunately. But anyway, I thought
0: I'd just ask in case you knew.
2: Do you remember that, Doug? No.
1: No, I feel like... So it's funny because when we were in the tunnel, that was really not necessarily pleasant, but beautiful at the same time. And so it's difficult to be in that space. But this is a space that's kind of fun to be in. Like, even though it is, it's sad. Um, and, you know, it's, it's comedic, but also tragic at the same time. It just, it, it's a lot of fun once you're it, in that world to stay in there so i could definitely yeah, yeah. do this again
2: yeah i agree it's like in that way also it's similar to infinite jest like there's so much so much to talk about so many different scenes and weird scenes and uh and characters and connections between characters you
1: know. yeah that another go around there would be more more illumination
2: yeah yeah I mean, uh, um, yeah, like I was saying before, I think you could uh, you just go through any of these references and it would be like another rabbit hole to, to, to go on and you could figure out a whole new theme, like an, unearth a, a completely different theme in the book and, and then be able to tie it together with the other things that we've been saying. Um, like I'm, I'm sure there's something like if you just focused on the music that you were listening to, Alex, um, and just looked into the the history of those pieces and how they're tied together, and the themes of those um, pieces, um, it would be that would open up a whole new dimension of the book too.
0: Totally, yeah. Yeah, uh, like to become an expert in. <laughs> In twelve different disciplines to
2: really yeah.
0: get it all out of there.
2: Yeah, that's a weird thing. Like, so so authors like this we we're talking about before, like people like Joyce, um, and maybe Gaddis and other people. Um, and it does seem like they 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 know everything. And you look into it, it's like they've only got a limited source text like right. like joyce was using the encyclopedia britannica from 1911 and that was one of his big source texts but but uh even so there's enough of it there um and he gets to the core of it enough that experts in whatever field can can somehow think that he's he's Look so deeply into everything you know like it mm-hmm. and obviously he has he 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 hasn't you know but somehow uh he's made it look like that or or his method allows him to tap into that without consciously knowing it, which is kind of what I think is happening yeah and I, I think that it's happening in this book too like like, imagine Gaddis, who's like, what was he, like 33 when it was finally published? Is that right? Yeah. The, the Christological incredible. Age.
1: It's amazing then, to imagine. I mean,
0: you know, he's in his 20s, right? It feels writing.
1: like more of an accomplishment than Infinite Jest, to me.
0: Um, there's... Well, that's
1: like your opinion, man. But... <laughs> <laughs>
2: just well, I just... <laughs>
1: the,
2: the references seem deeper, in a way. I think so, too. Uh, sure. But uh, but I, I don't know. I think they're getting really to the same point, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I would say, so Infinite Jest is more literary. Like, its references are more literary, and so you could get all that in a traditional education where a lot of this Golden Bough stuff is just so off the wall you know it adds another dimension to this the recognitions but i'm just saying that i don't know that his gaddis's little world is so finely connected that it just boggles my mind how he's able like where do you start what's the, what's the first piece and then how do you grow that that cast of characters cuz so Dave had a bunch of characters and they kind of were related, but you also had people that weren't really connected. Whereas I feel like everyone in this book was connected in some fashion to everyone else.
2: Um. Yeah, uh, I heard heard some some guy on YouTube speculating that the first... And this guy... um, he gave a really bad review of this, and he, he didn't even finish the book, you know. And then, and then another YouTube book guy just lambasted this bad review. Um, but it's interesting. That, uh, I, yeah, it's interesting to to listen to these guys. But um, this guy, the the first guy, was saying that um, the first section, um, chapter one, and all the sections uh, with with um, Wyatt in his childhood. Were written first, he thinks, and then, uh, and then it seemed like he had a much different idea of where the book was going to go, and then the other stuff, which is more about uh, life in New York with these Bohemians or whatever. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of a different track. Um, That was his idea. I'm not, I, I, because his
0: literally what someone has said about or what they said about Infinite Jess, which is that he wrote basically had he wrote the novel about the tennis school um or started it and then sort of got distracted by the whole aa angle and just kind of smacked them together um mm. which is you know kind of undersells everything i mean like it's yeah possible that's how that's... books are written <laughs> that's how books are written
2: i, I mean yeah that's what, the that's... problem ulysses started like that too like um the whole Bloom story was supposed to be, it was originally conceived as a, another story to add to Dubliners, like a short story. And then that's got,
0: they're, they're, this is, they're building
2: some things
0: here. They're not just writing it out.
2: I mean, this this guy's, this guy's review was terrible. You know, he's, he's apparently, he's got some, he's got a PhD in literature or something, but he, he's, he's like saying stuff like, uh, this is a misogynistic book and it's, and it's uh, homophobic and transphobic and oh god! Just, it's just like, what? Where are you getting this stuff? You know, it's like uh, I'll tell
0: you where they get it: school. <laughs> he, that guy went to university.
2: <laughs> Why don't I don't know? Is that is that what they're saying about this book in, in, in university? Well, they don't talk
0: about this book, but that uh, that attitude of like,
2: just just
0: putting everything in this lens of like identity theory and uh, how things are different from today it's insensitive therefore it is immoral like uh, that's what i imagine you know that's just like,
2: like the just the idea that, that the it's air. misogynistic you know it's like uh he, he's saying like all the female characters are messed up it's like all the male characters are messed <laughs> <Just up>. everybody's, <laughs> you know, everybody's messed up i think so it's I, quite I thought that last
1: one we did was more misogynistic the journey to the end of the night.
2: Oh well, yeah, like, that definitely like uh, that one. It's hard to argue with that. <laughs> um, I think it's like, extremely uh,
0: anti-misogynistic, and it's. I think depictions of a lot of its female characters are, particularly Esther and her, the whole, her whole perspective and the way she's written. I mean, if I think of misogynist characters or whatever, I think of ca- women who are like more male fantasy idea of what women are like than what women are actually women actually like and i feel like esther in particular her character is like just so honest and so real
1: mm-hmm.
0: that it's like esme on the other hand is a little on the kind of a, in the manic pixie dream girl kind of trope uh, as they would call it today
2: but uh, <laughs> apparently
0: that was a real deal so <laughs>
2: yeah she's um she is beautiful too like uh i found a uh a picture of of her this is i think um yeah it's a it's it's a book by uh um it's a book on her correspondence with bukowski and this is a picture of her from uh the famous misogynist yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not a good reference for that uh, <laughs> um there's a picture of her from that from that from her vogue days as she as she uh, as she was a model at in vogue uh, just a second I'll try to get this
1: what translation of the idiot did you read do you know
2: oh uh, yeah just a second I'll, I'll get that too um, yeah did you guys get I just put that into the chat what she looks
1: I don't know that I opened my chat the whole time. There's the chat. Let's open it up.
2: Oh, here it is. Okay. Um, Yeah, this is a translation by David Magarshak. It's It's an old Penguin Classics.
1: I've been reading a little bit of Russian short stories lately.
2: Um, yeah, the idiot is excellent. Though it's it's such a, an, an incredible book. Um, it gets uh, gets some bad reviews also, but uh, I would recommend everybody reads it. Yeah. Um, but he quotes um, Gaddis quotes directly from this. This is an interesting part. Uh, it's right at the end of the uh, at the book at the, of the idiot. We've had enough of being carried away by our enthusiasm. It's high time we grew sensible. All, and all this, all this life abroad, and all this Europe of yours is a delusion. And all of us abroad are a delusion. Mark my words, you'll see it for yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it is weird. It is funny, a delusion, because of the way like they all leave, and they all go to europe and they all sort of end up in the same place it's like just i mean it's hard to believe it's very contrived in a way in a way um but it's funny and it's sort of like a you know wherever you go there you are yeah sort of
2: idea i yeah i mean i mean the idea of like uh like coincidence in a contrived coincidence in literature it's all it's all the way through literature but yeah but it's it's real life too you know like the um like the idiot's all about that too it's like there's, it's just it's that's one of the big criticisms of it it's just uh it's completely there's no way you could have that many coincidences and people meeting together all the time and and then um Dostoevsky says well that's that's how real life is you know <laughs> in a lot of ways if you really want to be a realistic writer you've got to include the weirdness of synchronicity in life you know yeah. it does happen constantly absolutely oh, like just people you meet in strange places oh.
0: and a lot of the times the connections are so you don't even perceive them but they're there
2: and I think of that time, I I think of that just walking down the street, you know, like just happening to meet some stranger at a street corner. And for me, it has, that encounter really has no meaning. But from their perspective, who knows what the meeting, the meaning of me meeting them has on them, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, maybe I'm not, that encounter is not, is not feeding into my own story but it's feeding into their story you know yeah like that was the that quote that you read bef- before about the uh, the the critic the introduction and he's talking about schopenhauer and that was yeah. schopenhauer's one of his big insights that joseph campbell points out is that uh schopenhauer looking back on his life he thought of his life as a dream and then he considered it further and, and said, well, if, if my life is like a dream and all these chance encounters led up to this these whole huge chains of events, then everybody else's life is like that as well. And then somehow it's all interconnected with each other, you know? <laughs> so whose dream is it? It must be God's dream, you know, or, or something, you know? like a, yeah. Um, um, and and uh, so it just makes sense that literature tries to reflect that. Um, so I don't. I I think that kind of criticism against literature that it's too contrived. Doesn't. No, doesn't...
0: definitely. I mean, yeah. And I didn't mean it as a criticism, really. Just.
2: No, no. Uh...
1: All right. I got to work early, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go to bed now. But you guys are welcome to keep talking away. All right. Well, thanks, Doug.
0: Yeah, that was yeah. great, Doug. Thank you.
1: It was. It was fun. It's always fun
0: i'm glad to have um thanks for delaying it and uh giving me the time to finish and
1: yeah yeah
0: Yeah, it was good i actually did it (laughs) i'm sort of proud of myself
1: it's a big one and not easy for sure yeah you guys take care of
2: it talk again okay yeah yeah take it easy then
0: yeah you too uh thanks for i'm glad you read this book glad you loved it
2: oh yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks Region, for recommending it it's great <laughs> hopefully yeah. we get a nice short one
0: yeah that'd be nice
2: <laughs> okay I yeah really I really these.
0: These yeah you too i'll see you online great. Go ahead.
2: Jesus come, until Jesus come, and when there's rain, there's flood, make sure you're wrong.